Okay, uh, welcome to episode 207, just going to move my microphone closer, of Dude and a Monkey. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by... Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. So, uh, hello indeed. Um, So, this actually took less than a month after the email, and I thought we were going to be taking a lot longer to do this, but um, quiet week release-wise in the UK... So, uh, the US got Guardians of the Galaxy, but obviously we, we reviewed that last week. Um, so, taking on a suggestion from Steve Dixon, we have managed to put together a Dude and a Monkey all-time top five. We have indeed, we've, yes. We've done it. It was difficult. <laughs> it was. But we've done it. We're, we will explain as we get into it, but um, also we've had some cracking lists from um, other people on Twitter, listeners and whatnot, which is which is great. I think it's probably yes. the most interaction we've ever had from uh, from listeners on anything on the show, actually, in terms of like social media interaction. So, uh, yeah, um, very very pleased with that. We'll also talk about some um, what else we watched and uh, the use as well. Um, Mark, it's only been a, f- a few days since we recorded, but has anything um, has anything kind of happened this week? No, I don't think it has. I think it's been a relatively um, relatively quiet kind of few days. It, it, it's a quiet period, I think, at the moment in terms of what's going on in movies because everyone's so wrapped up in um, kind of the, the, the feeling of what's what's coming out that you don't tend to get that much news around this time it tends to news tends to pick up um as you get more into summer and as we're getting closer and the sort of the the blockbuster season ending and the um that in between period that early ooh, possibilities oscars before you get back into oscars season so there's, there's not really a lot kind of happened um at the, at the moment um no. i think everyone's still kind of waiting for can kick off soon, so you know, there's there's that. Um, I, I, I thought that already happened. I, I saw something about the day and thought, "Fuck, is Can still on?" And I looked at it and went, "Oh, Can hasn't been on yet." Yeah, no, I think I think it starts this week. I think um, I don't know. It's uh, and it's interesting. I mean, you got Twin Peaks. The the first, I think it's the first two episodes premiering there. Um, yeah. Which, which is interesting because the the guy who runs Cam said in an interview only last year we're we're not a TV festival we're not doing TV but because it's David Lynch I think they made an exception even though they're also showing some stuff from Top of the Lake the uh, Jane Campion series which is returning so uh, it, it, it's very much Cam basically trying to act and pretend like it's still a hundred percent relevant to film in a way because I think over the past few years it seems to be a lot of people have gone do you know what it's just a party film it, it, it doesn't really matter as much to it anymore it, it, it's more about who wore what and who was on what yacht talking to who it became a little bit less about kind of the films what they're doing is they're going well if we if we if we put Lynch um if we put Twin Peaks on, Lynch is going to be there. All the Twin Peaks crew are going to be there. And it's going to be Twin Peaks at Cannes. And it raises their profile up again. And I think that's what they're kind of, they're grabbing at a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, um, it, it's, it's relevant to a certain section of the film loving crowd. And I, you know, 
it's it's interesting. I a lot of this stuff with like Berlin as well. I you know you hear that something's a prize winner and it's like right okay so that basically means it's going to get a VOD release through Curzon Home Cinema February next year. Then great, you know that's it. it it's yeah. I it. I don't know. I mean, we'll 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 see what comes out of Cannes. I'm not I'm not entirely disinterested. It's just. Um, it's a it's always a weird dichotomy is can because I understand why they do it at, at the time of year in which they do it but at the same time it's like it's summer movie season and yet you've got like two weeks of pretty intense like coverage on film sites of three hour long art house films and it, it, it it's it always strikes me as weird like while people at Cannes are going to be watching some series like serious-minded film about I, I don't know refugees um, you're going to be also getting in cinemas Guy Ritchie doing King Arthur I don't know it's just it's a weird it's a weird it is, and the, the strange thing is what you'll get is you'll get critics going ah oh, this dumb movie is really fucking you know about King Arthur you'll get critics saying this dumb movie is really fucking dumb look how dumb it is it's so fucking dumb and at Cannes, you tend to get critics going, this really smart movie about refugees is really fucking dumb. Just look how dumb it is. And it's a bit like that. It, it seems to me... It, I never trust Cannes. <laughs> whenever a film is, really, is, is reviewed really well, I think, it could be a bit shit, that. And if something's really pound, it makes me go, oh, it could be fucking great, that. <laughs> yeah. Fair dues. Yeah, that, that, makes, that kind of makes sense to me, actually. Um... So, yeah, it's also worth saying as well that we're recording this on Sunday, the day before the new Blade Runner trailer comes out. So yeah. I'm sure we'll be discussing that next week. That poster did come out, though, which a lot of people were taking the piss out of for looking like a... Like Carabet. A, a, yeah, yeah. It I didn't like a Carabet. Yeah. I, I, did, I, did, I did look at it straight away and thought... I, when I first saw it, I, I genuinely... Because I just saw, like, as I was scrolling through Twitter, I just saw it and thought... Is that, like, is, is that perfume ad? Oh, no, it's a Blade Runner poster. Oh, that's like a perfume ad. Perfume, perfume ad was the thing that I saw a lot of people saying, actually, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's quite an evocative little teaser poster, that. It has me that's quite a nice poster. Yeah, I, I still like it as a poster. And it's just, I don't know, like, Blade Ru- Winter in Blade Runner verse, by the looks of it. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll have a look and see what that looks like. Um... Yeah, like I say, tomorrow is the new trailer where hopefully we'll get maybe some inkling of what the plot is other than Ryan Gosling tracking down Harrison Ford. I mean, admittedly, we probably I, I don't need to know what the rest of the plot is. I'd like an idea. Just an idea. Um, so, yeah. Cause yeah, I'm I, 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 more or less a guy of, look, this is what it's about, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's not like um, the trailer's Alien Covenant, where it is kind of like, okay, it's kind of alien again. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's there's more mystery to this Blade Runner film, I think. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Um, speaking of trailers, then, I think I saw one. I saw a couple. Uh, I can, I've now watched the Dark Tower trailer, and obviously I watched it with, with Bex. Um, oh, yes, on the last of course. Show. Yeah, let's do a bit of follow-up then. Uh, yeah. Um, it, you said a, a, thing, a thing about it. You said it looks like a film. And it does look like a film. Um, and the, the weird thing is, I, I'd probably be sat there going, 
looks all right. Surprised they've got the cast they've got with Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey in what looks a little bit kind of um, schlocky. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I'll happily watch it. But then the fact that I know a little bit of the backstory and um, Bex is really excited for it kind of makes me go a little bit more towards the, do you know what? I'm sat next to somebody who was ready to to either really like this or really be really worried. And I turned on looked at Betsy and she just went, yes. And apparently her thing is that, that the the kind of the Stephen King fan theory is that it's actually not following the books. It's almost like a sequel to the books. I mean, is, is the kid in the books? <laughs> yes and no. Right. <laughs> yeah. Bex said it, it does seem very much like they're taking influence because the, the thing is with the books the whole um, him coming in and out um, at, him coming in and out of the world uh, it's it kind of like an, it, the whole book is like an infinite loop he right. keeps on coming back to the same place all the time and he has to do things differently to try and get back to the same place to try and get to see if he'll get back to the same place or whether or not he'll do that so it it seems like that would make a good idea for having it being being able to take it away from what's necessarily in the books. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, okay, fair enough. I, I, it, that, that feels like such a fucking unknown for me that, like, the, the release date's really weird as well, like August or something, which... Works with Guardians of the Galaxy, but does it work with yeah that? But it's it's the thing if 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 somebody gets a Stephen King film nailed, it'll open up the idea of building a Stephen King universe. That's the whole idea behind this. The whole idea is to release this, get this semi-successful, and then they can release the stand, and then from there they can release other bits and they can try and generate a new. Stephen King universe kind of property where every year you get a new Stephen King movie or two new Stephen King movies and they can budget them anywhere between 40 million and fucking 200 million well I, it, it's it's going to be a big couple of months though isn't it because it comes out in October which feels like already it's got an awful lot more heat than the Dark Tower does but mm. I think it has also kind of had more of a pop cultural fo- footprint over a longer period of time as well which helps absolutely yeah I mean there's been no Dark Tower is is very much for Stephen King enthusiasts you know it's you have to be Stephen King enthusiast to A, have seen the uh, TV miniseries that was made in the early 90s. I think it was, I can't remember, it was late 80s or early 90s. I think it's early 90s. Uh, but also as well, not only that, you, you, people who have read that book that aren't necessarily Stephen King fans. Uh, the Dallas Tower is it's an, it's eight books. So, and then plus, like I said last week, you've got all the different sort of graphic novels and things like that. So you, you really have to be in that state, in that universe to have kind of, to have taken on that kind of challenge, I suppose. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I mean, like, like I think, as I said on Wednesday, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy that fans are excited. You know, that's that, it, yeah. it, that's that's cracking, and it, it, like, this film's had such a fucking journey getting to the big screen that I'm kind of glad it's there, and I'm, I, I am very intrigued to see it. Um, we'll just, I don't know, the kid aspect. I really, I that really fucking threw me because then it just kind of felt like Last Action Hero, as I as I said last week, and it just. <laughs> 
it, I don't know, kind of weirded me out a little bit. But, I'll, you know, fuck, I'll watch Matthew McConaughey as a bad guy all day long, you know. Um, and Idris Elba is a reluctant, like, anti-hero guy, sure. Yeah. So, there you That's, go. Yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know... I'm looking forward to it, and I'm more. I'm looking forward to it more trepidation because I'm going. Like I'm going to it, it with a huge Stephen King fan, and if it's if it's a disappointment, I'll never hear the fucking end of it. <laughs> That's fair. So what was the other one you saw this week? Because I've got a couple of others, but what did you see this week? Uh, well, the new Dunkirk trailer. All right. Well, before we do that, I'll do. I also saw a trailer for um, the Hunter's Prey. I'm oh, sorry, the Hunter's Prayer. Prayer. We'll all start with that again. The Hunter's Prayer. Um, a Sam Worthington film. Um, oh yes. Okay. From director Super Dutch. No, from from according as the trailer states, the visionary director of Terminator Three and Breakdown. Oh yeah, Matt Mosto. He's definitely a visionary. Yes. So the visionary director of the worst Terminator movie. <laughs> And Kurt Russell movie that's really quite good, but he's 20 years old. Nice. Yeah. Um, it, it looks a little bit like your standard stock film of that ilk. You know, um, taken and, and, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm surprised that it doesn't have jo- uh, John Travolta or um, John Cusack or Nick Cage in it, is what I'll say. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That will, that will not get a cinema release. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the other one is uh, The Big Sick. Oh, I have not seen this. The Kumail Nanjani film. Okay. Yes. Yeah, this is getting um, some heat. Yes, it, it has. Uh, and I can see why from the trailer, actually, uh, to be honest. Oh, great. Um, because uh, I, I went into it looking at the trailer going... All right, it's uh, an Apatow production. Um, you know, sometimes these can be a little bit up or downy. Um, it's directed by the guy I think who directed. Um, what else did he do? I've actually done that much, but he's, he's been in a few kind of Apatow bits. Um, but yeah, it looks good. It looks quite interesting. It's based on a true story as well. Um, but you've got. Did you, did you know anything about the story of it? Uh, no, no. I know it's about his relationship with his like with his missus in real life, but yeah, it's um, it's essentially he starts dating a um, a white girl, uh, much to the uh, chagrin of his parents. Um, they split up because it seems he explains that they're not too happy about this. Uh, and in the intervening time, just after they split up, um, she is put in a chemically induced coma. Um, and he wants to kind of be there, but her parents, played by Holly Hunter and Rhea Ravana, um, are kind of against the idea of him being there because they're not together and et cetera, et cetera. So, it does. It does look like it could be quite entertaining, actually. I'm, I'm I, fucking. It's over two hours long, which fucking worries me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'll I'll happily go and see it. Um, I think it's coming out July. Whether or not it'll get a similar release over here, I don't know. I think it. I think it might end up getting one over here, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, the the kind of the 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 critical word of mouth does kind of make me feel like it it will. It feels like one that will be pre 
awards season in the UK get some decent box office and like September October time. It, yeah. it doesn't feel like an awards heavy hitter for January or February over here. No, it, it feels a little bit like I think it's coming out in July in America. So it feels like what they'll do is they'll go, "Ooh, I wonder how big it'll be in America." If it makes a decent enough amount in America, it'll come out over here. Mm. I would probably say, like you say, September October time. Yeah. But if it if it doesn't, they'll probably go. Do you know what? Let's just fucking stick it on. Let's just stick it on fucking Netflix. <laughs> Nice. I'll see it. I'll see it, yeah. I like because I mean, like Nanjani, like he's good in Silicon Valley as well, and apparently the guy's a bit of a talent. So cool. Yeah, and um, he's always quite entertaining on Twitter as well. He seems like quite quite a nice guy. But yeah, he's he's, he's very good in, in Silicon Valley, which I'm thoroughly enjoying the new series. <laughs> cool. And the last one, obviously, yeah, Dunkirk. Um, I, I feel like I don't need to see any more of Dunkirk now. Nope. We've got the scale. It seems like this trailer gives us an idea of what the, the kind of the story is going to be. Like it, you know, the whole kind of like civilians coming in to rescue them, and it looks like old uh, fucking flop from Bing, Mark Rylance. It still fucking blows my mind that my first, I think my first exposure to Mark Rylance properly was him playing a stuffed sock puppet thing that looks after a young bunny rabbit in Bing. <laughs> it's so fucking weird that that man is an, like an Oscar winner and now he, he he turns up in all this big stuff. But um, yeah, they're like him as a civilian going in and kind of trying to like help save the day and whatnot. I mean, it looks like one of those classic, see it on the biggest screen possible. You know, yeah. as much as I watch a lot of films on my phone, I won't ever watch it on my fucking phone kind of things yeah it is I mean the fact the thing is the one thing that I kind of got straight away from the trailer is <coughs> the argument I think when Chris Manolan said that he wanted to that the budget of this movie which <coughs> excuse me was largely going to be spent on the fact that they were using a lot of practical <coughs> excuse me <coughs> ah sorry some went out the wrong way nice. it was going to be used actual actual Ships, boats, yeah. um, to do a lot of it. Um, people said, well, you know, sure, it'd be easier to do CG. And uh, Nolan's kind of thing to that was... Fuck you. Was, well, <laughs> yes and no. It, it would probably be easier, but for a start off, we can get hold. You know, boats, um, they aren't, like, it, it, it's not like they are in shortage we can quite easily get a boat that we're allowed to fucking sink. <laughs> it's not that difficult. And the thing is, the reason why, and you explained it, I saw a thing where you said, the reason why um, CG has gotten cheaper is they don't sit down and go, right, we need a, a, a big, huge um, Air Force um, ship. Um, we need that rendering. They don't just then sit down and go, right, we'll, we'll start and tap and scratch. They go, right, we've got a rendering that we've used from on this film. What we can do is we can alter that ever so slightly and move it around like that. And no one doesn't like the idea of, so hang on a minute, what was it used in? Battleship. So we're going to have the same bullet. Because that's what it would be. And yeah. it would be like, a little bit, yeah. Like, right, no. And it's the same thing as what Fincher does. 
just because you can do something with CG doesn't mean to say you should. CG should be there to enhance your movie, not to create your movie. No, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like, Fincher, like, you, that, there was that, like, visual effects reel that was banging around a couple years back for Gone Girl. Yeah. Um, and it was just, like, that, the 99% of the CG in that film you'd never tell was CG. Yeah, same as Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it, it's it should be there to augment things. And, you know, because that, that, that was my problem with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And it's a very... The thing is, I used to roll my eyes at people saying, oh, it's just a bunch of CG on screen and, it, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. But with Guardians 2, I kind of was like, yeah, it, it is just a bunch of CG on screen. Um yeah, there, there, there is that. You're becoming what was what was slightly jarring, I think, from the Dunkirk trailer was the fact that it it it, it felt strange looking at a movie going, "Holy fuck, that's not done on green screen." Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and when people say, "Oh, you, you can't tell the difference," like, do you know what? There's a difference between can't tell the difference and something looking really fucking good, because I think you actually you kind of can tell the difference because you can always tell that it's not quite right but it's your, your brain then goes do you know what it doesn't matter and I'm, this isn't me criticizing I, I loved Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 I think it's fantastic but I can see why I can see why people would, would, would put that against that instead of that I think this just it looks I'm looking forward to how impressive this is going to look. And it also helps that it's Hoyt Van Heusen, who's the uh, cinematographer again, because he's a, he's a very, very good cinematographer. Uh, and, of course, the other bit, it's shot on film. Yeah, I mean, it, the, 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 both trailers have made it very plain at the end. You know, it's going to be in 70mm, it's going to be in 35mm, it's going to be in IMAX. You know, I mean, like... We were talking before the show. My thinking is hopefully the Manchester IMAX will have a film print of this because it, like the Manchester IMAX, is like BFI Waterloo, proper actual what IMAX used to be originally known for sized IMAX. Yeah. And like, if you've got a seventy millimeter IMAX fucking print of Dunkirk, I would probably pay fifty quid to watch that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, like proper IMAX. Take my money. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the thing. Like you say, it's, it's the um, one of the reasons why I, I, I insisted that we that when we went to see Interstellar and drank and drank Isabel, despite the fact that she was a bit like, eh, you know, I wouldn't mind going to see it. That was I was like, no, you, you've got to come and see this because it's going to be. I want you to experience something like this yeah, yeah. in the cinema yeah. because I knew that the copy that Teach Me Not at the time was film. It was a it was a film running through a fucking reel and it was showing you and it was shot on film. So the reason why I wanted that is because there's a possibility in in two years' time that that will never happen. That you won't be able to do that. So, you know, they won't just dish won't do it, they'll stop doing it. And that's really quite sad. It, it made me laugh that um, the Lost City of Z got a 35 millimeter presentation in like one screen in London. I think the picture house central, yeah. and it's like the Lost City of Z gets a, a film print 
screening. Yeah. The, I mean, I haven't seen that film, so I maybe, I'm, I just, I'm surprised that was chosen for that kind of what is now, fucking feels weird saying this, what is now specialist treatment. James Gray. That's the reason why that got that. Because yeah, James Gray is is he's considered still to be a and I'm not disagreeing with this. Um, he's considered to be a proper kind of auto filmmaker who is a little bit misunderstood that that, that people haven't quite realised the genius of of James Gray. And it, 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 there's a high possibility that, that that could be true. I think he's a very very good filmmaker um, who has never compromised he's never gone what, what he could do is he could take a studio project one day and make a really really fucking good movie and open up his world to be able to get his films financed and get his films made a lot easier but he will not do that he he's he is trying to do things in the without any compromise which is admirable absolutely but then you can't bitch and moan about it at every fucking turn like he does have a habit of doing. He mentions an awful lot in interviews with him that um, he he struggles to pay his mortgage. <laughs> yeah, I, it's I he's doing what he wants to do though, and he uh, yeah, like you it say, is. And you, you, you can't. You, that's the thing. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot disagree with him on, on, on that. But it's a little bit like. You can't have your cake and eat it and then complain that it's a different flavour cake than what you wanted. No, I mean, I, that's the thing. It's like where, like, James Mangold kind of felt... Like, it feels like he's, pun intended, walking a line. Um, yeah. uh, you know, of putting enough of himself into his studio products, uh, projects, several products, to make himself feel creatively at ease. And... I think it's what characters like James Gray are going to kind of have to do, really, and hope that, like, he gets one that scores large enough that he's able to do something smaller and, you know, and still pay its mortgage. That's it, yeah. I mean, it, it's the similar thing as uh, Abel Ferrara um, mm, there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who interviewed uh, Abel Ferrara about four or five years ago, mm. uh, and this is a guy who, you know, he's been making movies, um, since the late 70s, you know, with Driller Killer, but has also made, you know, he made King of New York, Bad Lieutenant. <coughs> you know, he, he's made proper, quite big movies. Mm. And he met him in his, uh, and they did the interview um, in a coffee shop. And he actually said, Could we continue this in my apartment? Yeah. And he went round the corner to his apartment and said, It was, he said, he said, he said to me, I'm not joking. He said, he said, it looked like Travis Bickle's apartment in Taxi Driver. <laughs> he said, and he, he said, I thought it would be like this really nice apartment. And he said, and he even referenced it and said, but he thought it's going to be a lot nicer than this. And he was like, a little bit. Yeah, he said, I'll say now I've got $16,000 in the bank, so this is about as good as it gets for me. Yeah. And he said, he thought, I don't think he's joking. And he said, I thought I've never made a film I didn't want to make. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's 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 it. I mean, like I could never, like I could never be a creative because I watched my dad do it and fail fucking miserably at it, and it. That's it. It, 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 it's, it. It's 
it's having the you know you can look back and go do you know what I did everything the way I wanted to do it yeah that's that in the same way as I, I've just finished listening to the um, Springsteen um, autobiography oh nice um, yeah, yeah. it's like and it's read by uh, Springsteen and he's, he's sort of talking about uh, he was a lot of sort of focus on the early years where he's basically saying that he's never had he's never had another job other than other than being a musician that was it he'd always, he'd always decided he was going to do that and then you hear about it and like before even like up to after the release of, of Born to Run the album there he was saying that he's still he was still sort of living uh, off having to do like afternoon gigs acoustic gigs at coffee shops and was living on uh, in like a surf shop's floor with a couple of other mates. Mm. And you're thinking that's insane. That was his that was his fourth album, the third album. And you look back at it now and you think, oh yeah, he must have been you know a millionaire since he was 25, but he wasn't. It was like it, it took until you know I mean don't get me wrong, the guy's quite wealthy now, very very wealthy now, mm. but. It, it, even up to like the river, you know, it, it's it, it, you don't think about these people and, and how much they've had to essentially go through. You don't hear about the decade of you know really fucking and putting themselves through the ringers to get to these these places. It's it's there's a lot goes into it. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's um, I, I yeah, like I say, I mean, I could I could never do it. Like it just thinking about my dad he um he had a magazine which ipc media um literally offered him a million pounds to acquire like my like my dad ran this magazine and mm. my dad turned it down and it literally was something that haunted him the rest of his life but and, and you know and that so that's the kind and like he just he never like a piece of him died basically you know and it's that kind of thing that worries me but also like the position that I'm in now you know I've got I've got a three year old kid I've got a wife who is like running her own photography business on the side and is trying to do the creative thing but she still has to work four days a week in a day job and she she edits like a couple hours every night well, I've got a friend who's in a very, uh, very successful um, metal band. You know, they've, they've supported some big bands. I think they're playing on the same bill as like Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden and, and tour quite regularly and are very well respected and big on the, the metal scene. Um, and he goes off and tours, and then when he's not touring, he works at, at like Aviva Insurance. You know, it's. Yeah. That's mental. It's, it is. It, it, it's not the automatic you think that, that these guys are all fucking millionaires. It's weird. But yeah, no, exactly. But I mean, say, I mean, and saying that though, if my dad, if my dad had like sold that magazine, now, I, I, who knows where the fuck I'd be? But I wouldn't be here. My life wouldn't no. have gone down this particular road. And you know, in a weird way, it was a good thing for me that my dad didn't do that. You know, because I'm a very lucky happy guy but i also work in the financial services sector um uh, on on workplace pensions you know and which isn't what i want to do 
you manage a clothes store and work yep. with people you apparently loathe. Sometimes, yeah. You know, and <laughs> you know what I mean. But it's uh, you know, it, 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 it's weird. So I mean, going back to the original point, James Gray, in a way, yes, all right, you you you're struggling to pay your mortgage, but you are also a, a, a legitimate filmmaker. Yeah. Who you know has taken cha- ta- chances and some haven't worked, some have worked, and Studio Canal financed the thirty-five millimeter print of your film, which they don't do for everyone. James Gray is pissed off that he isn't considered in the same, and again, not a criticism necessarily. Isn't he's pissed off that he isn't considered in the same bracket as Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, straight up. And he can't understand why Paul Thomas Anderson can keep on getting money to make movies when not a single one of his movies has made money. And that's true. Yeah. Not a single one of his movies has ever made money. Yet, does Paul Thomas Anderson struggle to get people in his movies? And does he struggle to get his movies made? No, he doesn't. In her advice... Megan Ellison just went, yeah, there you go, there's 60 million, go fucking make it. Yeah, yeah, quite. I, it's, which is mental. It's insane. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's just, it's the, it's the pull of PCA, isn't it? And um, also, just back to the, the, the film presentation point as well that we were originally talking about, the 75, uh, the 70mm presentation of The Hate for Late that we saw in London, oh. I will never forget that. No, I will. It, it, it was glorious. I think for film lovers and for uh, especially somebody who who adores film, the, the film, the actual thing rather than the, the whole idea, yeah. uh, it was incredibly special. It, it reaffirmed my belief that I, I have no problem with digital at all. I don't think every film should be shot on film, but when Kodak stop making film altogether and everything has to be shot digital, I think it will be a horrible and sad day for the cinema. Yeah, I don't... I kind of don't see it happening as long as Nolan and Tarantino are around and as soon as... Spielberg, Scorsese. Yeah, that's... I mean, but then again, how long are they going to be around for, though? That's 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 the that's the thing. So, that's it, yeah. Uh, even though I tell you what, Silence is out on Blu-ray tomorrow. I'm fucking tempted to pick that up. Like... That's going to look good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to rewatching Silence. Yeah, too right, man. That, that fucking... There are... When... When... I, I, fuck, I... I almost don't want it to happen in my lifetime, even though that would mean bad things for me. But when Scorsese dies, Silence is going to be talked about. Yeah. Silence, silence will... will um, find its audience sooner rather than later. People will go. The problem is with silence was it wasn't it was badly received. It's just that nobody saw it. Yeah, yeah, quite. It's 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 very hard to sell. Oh hi, it's New Year um, and everyone's partying. You've just had Christmas. Here's three hours of just fucking just horribleness. Yeah. Here's three hours of people just doing shitty things to each other. Oh, is it like gore and stuff like that? No. No, it's just relentless it's really misery. fucking realistic. It's it's just miserable. You know, it, it, literally, it's like watching Trump fucking jerk off. Yeah. It's just, it's horrible. But it's beautiful and it's magnificent. It looks great. Unlike that, watching Trump That film jerk is off. so fucking good, though. That film it's, is so good. It is. I feel the next time I watch it, I, I'm going to be 
going, do you know what? This is better than I remember it being. And it was in both our top ten ones, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Oh, fuck, man. I still can't believe that was the most... Like, the two women in that audience were the most disruptive audience I have had in I don't know how long. Blows my mind that Silence is the film that I had the biggest problem with an audience for. Mm. And the fact, the, the fact that the fucking... It took somebody else having a go at them after I did for them to finally shut the fuck up. Oh. It's amazing that that I don't worry as much now going to see something like Guardians or whatever new Marvel film is out mm. or anything like that as much as I do going to see something like Silence. That's when I worry and think, fuck it. Yeah. Which, which which middle class fucking 50s prick's going to start talking halfway through it? Straight up, that's the thing. That's the thing. That film is marketed at people that are like, if you want to seem intelligent, go see this. So these two fucking mid-50s women with what looked like glasses of wine came in and it was like, I've got fucking trouble ahead here, haven't I? And so I yeah. bloody did. You know, I just... Uh, anyway, it's actually fucking raising my blood pressure just thinking about it, so let's move on. Um, we're really, really filling up time very well here, aren't we? Um, we tangented like a motherfucker there. It's, I, it's glorious. Um, <laughs> right, okay, so let's let's do a bit of uh, what else we watch then, because uh, I think we, I think we've both got a couple things we can, oh, pardon me, we can speak about. So, uh, uh, Mark, do you want to take it away? Yeah, certainly can do. Um, I rewatched um, "Don't Breathe." Oh, Stephen Lang Cummy fun. Yeah. Okay, um, spoiler alert. Sorry. It's. Uh, we re- I think we reviewed it actually, didn't we? Yeah, and we both liked it, but felt that it went a little bit fucking off the reservation. Yeah, and we just. Yeah. Um, didn't feel as jarring the second time. Because I knew it was ha- going to happen. Um, the when it when it goes in that direction. Yeah. Um, it's it's still an incredibly pacey movie. <laughs> I mean, it really does fucking fly by that movie. It is in and out um, in like under ninety minutes. Um, mm. which which worked it certainly in its favour because it never outstayed its welcome. Um, the characters do act a bit fucking dumb. But then again, the characters are a bit fucking dumb, so I, I can kind of let it get away with it. I did. It did get to the end. I did still think, yeah, I'd watch. I'd watch a sequel. I'd watch a fucking Stephen Lang gets out of hospital and has to blindly chase uh, Jane Levy across the fucking country. Like it follows, but it's Stephen Lang. Yeah, Stephen Lang just walking around with a fucking turkey baster of cum to go and impregnate this bitch that's, that killed his <laughs> whatever she was. Such a fucking... pet. <laughs> it's such a fucking weird... <laughs> like, I, 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 I mean, points to fucking Fede Alvarez for getting a studio to just crack on and go ahead with that, you know. Yeah. I, I, it's... Do you know what? It, it, it's... Fucking hell. I, 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 I probably will never go to Fright Fest again. I might go to Fright Fest for a night, but it'll be to see maybe one or two films and have a few drinks with people that I know that are going to be there. Yeah, I mean, like, frankly, that would be more of an excuse to hook up with, like, Dan and John exactly. and whatnot, to be fair, than anything else now. Yeah, Yeah, it, it would be that. I'd be going down to London using Fright Fest as an excuse, but I wouldn't go again... 
But watching, I'd if I'd gone for a weekend of that was playing, I'd probably come away going, that was one of the best films I saw at Fright Fest. It is that type of movie. Uh-huh. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, so yeah, it, it, it's certainly worth worth a rewatch. I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's one of those where you can watch it on the treadmill, but um, I'd maybe once you get to a certain point, pause. Yeah, no, I. The thing is that film's quite claustrophobic and contained, and I wouldn't mind watching that on a TV with a decent sound system. You know, yeah. it's yeah. Um, oh, actually, Fryfest as well. By the way, did you um, did you see they're they're actually coming going back to the Empire this year? Yes, I did. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna have a look at the lineup. I might be up for a I might be up for a day or two of that this year. I I certainly might be up for a for a day trip. Yeah, straight up. You know, just as an excuse to me up and do some recording and drinking and whatnot. Why not? Hey, but, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, uh, don't breathe. I would. Yeah, I'll I'll probably get back round to it at some point. Probably whenever Fede Alvarez has got something else new out. Oh, when when he has this fucking girl that desperately wants to make money film. Oh yes. You know, uh, what's it? The girl in the spider's web or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, uh, I rewatched Deep Blue Sea. Glorious. Because why not? Yep. Um, it's it's a uh, it's. It's fucking dumb, but ferociously entertaining, that movie. That looks great. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard the, uh, the the story about the the sequel for Deep Blue Sea? No, but I want to. Tell me. Uh, let me just find Let me just find it. Well, so, yeah, I, I've, well, I've got Deep Blue Sea on Blu-ray. Um, yeah, it's going to be directed by Jack Perez, uh, who did the Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Really? Uh, yeah. And essentially, it was going to be uh, about a group of Somalian pirates um, that um, board a scientific um, ship um, that's like a research centre that floats around. And the reason why it floats around is essentially it's a load of like different tubes that has different sharks in it, so they can release it in a different tanks to see how they interact under different things. And then Navy SEALs have to go in um, <laughs> to. Um, basically take control back of the ship but the sharks have then also turned because they're letting the sharks out the sharks are turning also on the scientists and the pirates and they're trying to get out but they're not just like super smart sharks now they've got like fucking like lasers Oh, um, like that um, fucking John Sales Jurassic uh, Jurassic Park thing that was going to be like the, yeah. oh that would have been glorious yeah, that are put into it. So, like, they're properly fucking weaponized sharks. Um, so, I, I fucking love to see that. It goes right up there with the uh, Gladiator sequel that was written by Nick Cave that we'll never get to fucking see uh, as my sequels and the Beetlejuice one. Uh, sequels that should happen but never fucking will. Um, so, yeah, uh, what, so, yeah, watch that. Uh, also, we watched The Order, uh, aka Sin Eater. Um, oh, the fucking uh, the Brian Haugeland. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. He'd led to movie. I, I have a real soft spot for that movie. I think it's a real, a, a really fucking good watch. I even bought it off iTunes six ninety nine. Oh, nice bloody hell! By the way, uh, Macron. It looks like he's won the presidential election in France. At least one oh. country has some fucking sanity. And fucking Christ. State TV vote estimates predict sixty five point five percent to thirty four point five percent win. Like that's oh, that's a pretty good majority as well. Thank fuck for that. Um, yeah. Sorry. Let's just let's just hope that fucking Farage and Kate Hopkins get fucking detained in France. Jesus Christ. 
because they both went to France to celebrate um, Le Pen's win. Imagine, imagine actually, imagine actually doing that. Yeah. That that being your thought process to do that, because she believes in so many of the heinous things you believe in that you will actually go because what she wants to do is make it hard for you to go there, and you don't want any people that she represents coming here. It just. Fuck, it baffles my mind. God, the, t- really the turnout was 25.3%. And France... Jesus Christ. France, um, haven't had an election um, or a, a, a universal vote that has had a smaller turnout than um, 60% in, like, decades. Yeah, it's the lowest since 69, apparently. Yeah, you, usually their electoral uh, turnout is in, like, the... I seventies mid eighties percentage wise. Oh dear. Oh um, yeah, I've just got I have a news flash saying from Sky News um, saying that the projections are that he's, he's going to win quite quite comfortable. It looks like it's going to be comfortable. All right, well that's Bravo France. Yeah, we've got any French which which we won't. <laughs> Not with the fucking movies we talk about. <laughs> well, no, quite, but oh Jesus Christ. Anyway. <laughs> just... So yeah. yes, we just got political there, but it just that kind of that really felt like if Le Pen actually won, that was going to be. A, I was going to pack up and fucking go. Yeah. I don't know where I was going to go, but it was going to be somewhere. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, right. Genetically modified sharks. No, we're on a cine as now. We're oh no, sorry. Fletcher, uh, playing... from iTunes. Glorious. Yeah. Um book playing uh, a reggae priest uh, yeah also starred Shannon Sossman Mark Addy uh, who um, right. lives on the road from me nice <laughs> uh, which is really fucking weird uh, and I see fairly regularly in the pub to be honest sweet yeah which is quite weird um, and Robocop um, is also in it as well uh, yeah I, I really like the city I, I like films that are about kind of Catholicism and, and uh, occultish happenings and general sort of stuff like that I, I fucking lap that shit up and the scenario has that and it also was a very very good central performance from uh, Heath Ledger I think that had it not been had some some silly moments and some kind of Euro trash hockey performances in it I think it'd actually be quite a, a, a much more well received film or well looked back on film uh, The Order I think it is a because it's called The Order and Cinea. For instance, weirdly, I couldn't find it on iTunes by typing in The Order, but I did find it by typing in Cinea, but it's called The Order on iTunes. What? Yeah, <laughs> weird. When I found it, I was typing in Cinea, and it didn't come up. And the Order, and it didn't come up. I typed in Cinea, and it came up, but it's called The Order on iTunes. Oh, for fuck's sake. Wasn't it yeah. like the, the UK type? The UK title was one of them, and the US title was the other, or something. Yes, the UK title is Cine, uh, the uh, US title is The Order. Yeah. So I also went on DVD as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, right. Um, I know. I have a problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I rewatched The Temp, which I've not watched in a long, long time. Um, which I, I I actually when I first watched the temp it was one of those um, I think you'll be old enough to recognise the reasoning for what for renting this it was one of those where I rented it going I'm gonna enjoy that and there's a high chance of boo who's in it uh, Lara Flynn Boyle yeah 
Uh, we don't get boob, but we do get a lot of down top shots and a lot of leg uh, in it and, and bits like that. So it was it was good enough, but it's also quite an entertaining film. It's batshit insane, <laughs> but it's quite entertaining. It's directed by Tom Holland, actually. Oh, sweet. Okay. Uh, so that's actually really quite fucking interesting that he went from, from um, directing, you know, Fright Night, a child's play, to this. <laughs> is this around Twin Peaks time? Uh, it's just after Twin Peaks, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. Lara Flynn Boyle is quite fetching in, in Twin Peaks. Yes, she's playing a school girl, but she obviously wasn't yes. that young. Yeah. Like, yeah. You covered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, has Timothy Hutton, who, remember, at this point, was, you know, hot shit. You know, he was... You know, he was taking roles off people like Sean Penn and Tom Cruise. That's... It's weird, these, like, these little moments of history. Like, thinking about the, going back to the Sunita for a sec, it was in that time when Shannon Sossaman was in quite oh. a lot of stuff in, like, a two-year period, and it felt like yeah. she was the next big thing, and then she wasn't. And literally, the worst thing to happen to Shannon Sossaman was Zooey Deschanel. It's a good shout, that. It is. She went. She went from being like the indie fucking dream queen to being in Sinister Two. That's right. She's like the. Is, she's the mum in Sinister Two, isn't she? She is the mum in Sinister Two. Fuck yeah. Fucking you know. hell. And like she was like the pink haired girl in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Who's she was. Yeah. I've been a, a, a big fan of Shannon Tossman. Yeah. Until I saw an interview with her oh, around right. the time of the Rules of Attraction. Yeah. Uh, which would have been two thousand and would it be one? Not rules of engagement. Not the fucking terrible sitcom starring David Spade. <laughs> yeah. uh, rules of attraction. Uh, 2002. Uh, I saw an interview with her um, with regards to this movie, and she came across as such a dick uh, that it kind of it put me off. Her. It made me think maybe that's why she isn't making movies nowadays. Okay, that's a shame. Yeah. I mean, actually, she might be a lovely person. It might have just been a bad interview. Mm-hmm. Um, she may be a, a lovely, wonderful person. Um, in fact, if Shane Black said she was, so if Shane Black said she was, then we must assume she is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, The Temp. Um, have you ever seen this? No. It's on Netflix. It's 95 minutes long. And it, it's actually kind of worth your time. Um, Timothy Hilton plays a, um, an executive for a cookie company. I'm not making nice. that up. In an alternate world, this is a film... This, in an alternate world, this is Nine Lives, the sequel. Um, and he's his company has just been taken over, um, and it seems like his boss, uh, Faye Dunaway, is going to be um, kind of moved along, and there's him um, and uh, Oliver Platt and somebody else, um, generic woman, part two, uh, who are in line for her job. Um, Oliver Platt is playing the game better than Timothy Hutton is, and Timothy Hutton, it seems like, has a short fuse, uh, and he's currently living away from his estranged wife because he's got kind of jealousy issues and um, seems to fly off the handle quite easily and has some anger issues. Uh 
while all this is going on, he has to get a big presentation sorted. His uh, Pierre, as says, his secretary, um, who's a guy, um, has to go to the hospital because his wife's about to give birth, so he's on paternity leave. So the temp agency send Lara Flynn Boyle, uh, and she turns out to be fucking amazing and keeps on making him look amazing by being amazing at her job. And she's so good at her job that she ends up getting promoted to the same level as Timothy Hutton and then becomes his competition for this job. And along the way, people start dying and weird stuff starts happening okay yeah it's it's very kind of early 90s um but it's still really quite enjoyable because there's some moments of it where you go that's a bit that doesn't even make sense but it's quite good um and timothy Hutton keeps making all of the wrong decisions and just playing in a lot of flynn boyle's hands right okay but it's 95 minutes, and it is well worth 95 minutes. Okay, cool. That sounds like it could be something for me to watch. Yeah, yes. I would certainly say so. Uh, and the other one I watched, uh, which I'll come to finally, was I watched Volcano. I need to fucking write. Somebody on Twitter said that John Carroll Lynch is one of the most horrific deaths ever to put to film oh. in Volcano, and I need, like, literally this week... I need to see Volcano. It's on Netflix now, isn't it? It is on Netflix. Yeah. Do you know what? Right, all right. Well, then you'll, you'll, you'll quite enjoy this then. Um, it's a really good watch. Aces. It's, it, you know, it's uh, 145 minutes, not 145 minutes, uh, an hour and 45 minutes. Okay. Uh, it's got Tommy Lee Jones in it. It's got Anne Hesh in it. It's got John Cheadle in it. Um, Keith David in it and it's got John Carroll Lynch having a, a yes he does a horrible death um, in it um, but it's a really entertaining if you like disaster movies I quite like disaster movies I've got a bit of a game and I got I got a lot of enjoyment out of it it's a really good entertainment watch if that makes sense yeah. if you because you quite like San Andreas didn't you oh hell yeah 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 if you like San Andreas you have no problem with Volcano nice. um, it's the science of it probably doesn't make sense in reality, but makes enough sense in the movie that you go, huh, I don't know if that's possible, but they're making it sound like it fucking might be. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Hesh is adorable. In it. Back when Anne Hesh was adorable before, um, what's her name? Ellen broke her heart and she went a little bit fucking off the reservation. Um, and it's early Don Chilo, the same year that Don Chilo made Boogie Nights, I believe. That's a difference. Yeah, it is. Yeah, although at one point he does see me wearing one of the same outfits. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a solid watch. So we'll talk about it more if you watch it this week, uh, next week. But yeah, it, it, it's a it's a good sign. Is what game certainly. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I think I might. And the effects well do like that. actually. Yeah. Really. Okay. Who's it directed by? Uh, Mick Jackson. Okay. I feel bad for asking. Yeah. Um. LA Story, uh, The Bodyguard. Oh, shit, yeah. okay. These other ones. Yeah. LA Story is an entertaining movie, actually. Uh, uh, Steve Martin? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a, kind of a back-in-the-day one, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, Volcano. I must watch Volcano. Cool. Uh, right, um... 
Oh, yeah, actually, he also directed the docudrama Indictment, the Martin trial, uh, which I believe starred um, great actor, uh, hideous person, James Woods. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I don't even want to think about James Woods these days, to be fair. No, I literally cannot watch James Woods movies now, which fucking upsets me, because I really want to watch The Specialist again. <laughs> Uh, right, go on, what have you watched? Cool, so I've got a few things. Um, so, uh, I think I mentioned it really briefly last week, but um, When It All, the new Joe Swanberg film, which is on... Uh, oh, yes, I nearly watched this the other day. Yeah, um, so it's on... It's it's a Netflix original, um, uh, written by Joe Swanberg and Jake Johnson. So, Jake Johnson um, is Zoe Deschanel's kind of like, will they, won't they, on again, off again guy from New Girl. Um He's also, for people who don't want to watch a horrible TV show, uh, he's also the scientist guy in Jurassic World, or the um, what's it guy in Jurassic World? Yeah, kind of the geeky guy. Like, yeah, he wears a Jurassic Park t-shirt. Yes. Um, and I think he was in Safety Not Guaranteed as well, um, Colin Trevorrow's film before Jurassic World. So, um, yeah, I mean, he kind of gets himself about there. He's kind of like a slightly more doughy Oscar Isaac um, he is a little bit like that, yeah. You know, yeah. He, he's, he's been in actually quite a lot, but always a little bit in quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it, actually. So this is him front and center. So he uh, stars as a gambling addict who um, gets an offer to hide a bag from like a dodgy mate of his. He's got to go to uh, jail for like six months. And he says, like, don't look in the bag. Don't look in there. I'm just going to pick it up. When I come out of jail, I'll give you 10 grand. So Jake Johnson, pissed one night, decides, I'm going to have a look in that bag. Yeah. And he, see, he, he finds some, like, random shit and also a buttload of money. And uh, what does he do with the money? He gambles it. And he's up, 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 then he's down, down, down. And it's like, what the fuck am I going to do? In the middle of this, he's also, he's also starting a relationship uh, as well, but trying to kind of hide his uh, gambling self. And he also has a sponsor played by Keegan Michael Key, who is like the of Key and Peel, um, who is like just the. What I imagine sponsors are actually like in real life, actually, <laughs> uh, where like he, he's just. Like, when the bad shit happens, he just laughs at him. And he's just like, I, I try, you know, I try so hard. This is brilliant. Just pissing himself. Like, I just, you know, I, I try and give you this advice and you just basically, like, shove it up your ass and just go ahead and do your own thing anyway. This is brilliant. And, like, it, it, like he's really funny in it, actually. Um, and the thing is, it makes... It, it's... It's a portrayal of this gambling addict, but he's not, like, scum of the universe kind of guy. He's a guy who has a problem, but it doesn't immediately make him trash. Even even though when the instincts take hold, he does bad things. It it feels quite well-rounded, and I like Joe Swanberg's stuff. Yeah, I do as well, actually, yeah. yeah. so if you don't like Joe Swanberg's stuff, this probably isn't going to change your mind. But um, if you do, you'll have a good time with it. It's about, I think it's about 85 minutes long. 
Um, all, all of his films are always 85 yeah, minutes straight long. up, you know. Um, and I will say the ending, something happens at the end which feels really weird and artificial, and you'll know it when you see it, and it leads to an ending which kind of feels like it just stops. And ah. I wonder if... There's an insinuation that I'm wondering whether it, it, it's kind of making of something that's going to happen, and I'm not entirely sure. I'd like to try try and remind me when you watch this. Try and remind me, because I've got a question to pose to you, but I, I, I won't just yet. I'll probably be watching it this week. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, good flick. It's a good flick. Um, yeah, good. So, uh, also, I... I rewatched the uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which because uh, Donna wanted to watch it, uh, which I think is still uh, a good a good little blockbuster. Um, I know you're not interested in the slightest, but it, it it does its thing. I'm looking forward to seeing Catherine Waterston in Alien Covenant, just because after watching this, I, she's very good in her advice. Yeah. But with this film, David Yates's direction basically seemed look worried. Now look worried. Now look charmed by Eddie Redmayne, but also a bit worried. <laughs> and that, that's every single fucking facial look is that it seems. So apparently, uh, based on the early word, she's good in Alien Covenant. So there we go. Yeah. By the way, I think I've guessed the ending. Of Alien, Alien Covenant. Covenant. Genuinely, have no idea. It's just there's, it? there's apparently a, a, an ending which is like shit. I need to see the next one right now. Hmm. Do you know what I think the ending is? Cool. David or Walter, one of the Michael Fassbender characters, somehow gets impregnated by a neomorph, which is what they're calling them, and that's how they become xenomorphs. That's how they get acid blood because they're actually roboty. Uh. It's probably bollocks, but I'm saying it for the record now because it would, it would kind of make sense that there's almost like a bit of engineered tech to them. Ooh, if that happens, I will be. Hands washed, ruined it. We'll see. Like, the... like. Some people seem to be saying that the ending's properly like, wow, that's fucking, that's really interesting. And I've just, I've got, like, I'm just saying it, I genuinely, genuinely, hand on heart, do not know. I, I've seen, I've read a few early reviews and I'm done now. It seems like the general consensus is it is better than Prometheus. How much better is going to be down to you, but better than Prometheus. And I'm fine with that. I'm seeing it Thursday and... Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to read anything else now, but I'm saying right now, we'll be discussing it next week. I think that's what the ending's going to be. It's probably going to be bollocks, but there you go. I'm, I'm probably seeing it Friday, because at the moment, I'm crossing my fingers, genuinely crossing my fingers. Um, I, I have Becky's birthday on Thursday, so oh. I've got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday off work. But with the way my work is at the moment, there's a possibility that I might end up having to go in on Friday. Um so I'll probably see it, still probably see it on Friday anyway, but if I'm in on Friday, I mean, I'll be in on a fucking 12-hour shift, so it'll all depend. I might be seeing it on Saturday morning. 
I um I got I got kind of lucky actually. Cineworld did this thing where it was an alien super ticket where it was like you see alien director's cut and Prometheus one day and then you keep your ticket and then two weeks later you see Alien Covenant the day before it comes out. Oh yeah, is that is that in three D? Uh, I don't think so. I just want to think about that. Is that the Cineworld one? Yes, it is. I just want to think about that, but it's 3D. Okay, well, I'll ask about that and maybe have to buy a pair of glasses, because I didn't go to the Alien Director's Cut Prometheus thing, but then mm. they still had the tickets available, and Unlimited, it was free. So it was yeah. like, fuck it, go on then. It didn't say anything about it being 3D. That's interesting. And usually, yeah. usually you have to pay extra for 3D at Cineworld. Hmm, maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe I might have just. I, it was just something I saw on 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 Twitter where somebody mentioned they're going to the what is it oh, thing to say. Oh, no, thank you. I, yeah. I, 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 but yeah, yeah. No, I'll look at that. Suppose it would it wouldn't stop me from fucking going. No, I mean it, that's the thing. It won't stop me from going, even if I've got to no. see it in three D. I will because I'm. I just want to get that film over and done with now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like because it kind of. I'm kind of feeling like I'm gonna like it. Do you know what the weird thing is with Alien Covenant with me is? I think that I'm most looking forward to Alien Covenant about. Mm. Danny McBride. Yeah. Seeing him in a in a a proper yeah, straight role. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm actually really I, I'm in my brain it's going I I'm I'm pretty making in my brain Danny McBride out to be a much much better actor than he probably is. But I'm looking at him going this is this is it. This is it. This is this is his first step to be a fucking Oscar winner. I, love <laughs> I don't know why. I love that his character is called Tennessee. It's just yeah, it, like it's perfect. I oh, know I, I, I think he's gonna be one of the last two or three people. Oh yeah, without question, he is. Like he might even live. I'd be so happy if it's an alien film and Danny McBride is one of the only survivors. I'd be, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I, I think I. I think it's going to be him and Catherine Waterston. I think they're going to get away, and then there's going to be some android alien action at the end. Yes, they're setting up what... They're not going to kill off the entire fucking cast like they did last time. No, I mean, apparently Numi Rapace is in this one in terms of that... find out what happened to her character, but I've got a feeling it's a flashback. It's a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she hasn't gone back to... And I'm now... I mean, I juggled with the fact is that Becky's saying I'm watching Prometheus again before what is it, and I'm just going oh, fuck you. No, I'm I'm going to watch Prometheus again before it just because it's going to it's going to make Alien Covenant better by comparison. All right, can we can we agree on something then? Go on. We are both going to watch Prometheus this week, yeah. and we're both not going to talk about it next week. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think we could probably talk about it in, in relation to the review. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just, no, that's we, fine, we have, that's fine. I, I think we have spent a no, good... Yeah. I think we spent more than a day of our lives talking about that movie. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, for for not long-term listeners, like, we did a... It will still be on the feed. We did a kind of a almost retro review of it on the train going to Noel's stag. We did, yeah. Um, so that would have been... Two years, two years ago, ago. February, yeah. March? February, March, two years ago, yeah. About then, so feel free to look through the archives. It'll probably be pretty obvious. Um, but we also... You, me, Noel, Donna, Becky went to see it. 
um, at yeah. the Manchester IMAX, and you, me, and Noel then proceeded to maybe spend about five hours talking about it. I think five hours is generous. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It probably is. Just at one at one point, it was like a therapy session. At one point, we were drinking in a bar across the road from Noel's house at the time, Noel's flat at the time, yeah. and Claire and. Uh, I'm sure I'm not misremember this. Claire and Donna actually went to a different table because they were sick of listening oh, to the Oh, they went outside. Like, they went outside. They went outside, yeah. And then when they came back in, they said, I remember Donna turned around and going, holy fuck, are you still talking about that same movie? Yeah. And we were like, yeah. <laughs> and then we were still talking about it when we went back to Noel's for drinks. Oh, my God, that fucking film. Yeah, but I am gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna watch Alien again, as is my want, because I really fucking love watching Alien, as we might be about to discuss. Um, and uh, I, I will watch Prometheus because there are things to like about Prometheus. There are visually, it's fucking great. There's a lot of visuals in it. So yeah. There's that. You know, just fucking that film. Um, but hey, anyway. We're running long. Do, yeah. do you have a deadline today at all? I've got another good half an hour or so. Yeah, okay, all right, fucking hell, man. The main event's going to be curtailed then, isn't it? Right, okay. Um, I rewatched Trance, which is on Netflix now. All right, yeah. Have you ever seen this? Yeah, we, we reviewed it. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't like it as much as I did first time around, I don't think. I think that the, the revelation-y type stuff is a bit... <laughs> really? Thank you. Becky mentioned this. We were looking for something to watch, and she went, Trance. And the way we do when we pick movies, it, a lot of time, if whoever's choice it is to pick the movie, it'll be like, throw out a lot of movies and I'll give you reasons for why we shouldn't or shouldn't watch it. And she said, Trance. And my response was, no. She's like, why? I'm like, Rosario Dawson's got a weird looking vagina. <laughs> I response that was, she just cocked her head like a dog when it hears a, a weird sound and just went, what? <laughs> I don't. I the thing is, I was watching it on the train when that scene happened, so I kind of was looking around to see if anyone was seeing what you were totally, seeing. Totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, I, when I, like when I watched the loft <laughs> next to a woman on a train. That's a fucking film. And I, I literally was tilting my fucking iPad towards that during the credits, going, "Look at the boobs." Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the loft, the loft. Um, I like the loft. I know you do. Um, trance, yeah. The the ending, which is trying to be both twisty but also like emotional, it's like kind of try and be one or the other, please. You, I don't yeah. think you can really get away with both. Um, it's because I I kind of remembered where it was going about halfway through and just thinking like that's such a fucking weird tonal shift. Yes, it is. Yeah. Like just it, it, yeah, I I I won't. I, I actually I think trance is relatively underseen, so I'm not I'm not gonna say. But I actually really like Vincent Cassell in it. Um, but Vincent Cassell's good in everything. Um, yeah. And I like some of the visual motifs and like the hypnosis sequences. I think are actually really well done. Um, but yeah, not as high on it as I used to be. I I would say that. But I, it was a solid enough rewatch actually. 
And uh, finally, before we get to the main event, uh, I watched Mindhorn. Uh, so, oh yeah, you did, yeah. Yes. So uh, this is the Julian Barrett and Simon Farnaby uh, written film about um, a failed actor who was a TV detective called Mindhorn, uh, who filmed this, uh, like the series was filmed in the Isle of Man in the eighties. Uh, cuts to today, he disparaged the Isle of Man while drunk on Wogan so no one there really likes him and uh, he went off to Hollywood to be a star and it didn't work um, a serial killer known as the Kestrel um, wants to want uh, will only talk to Mindhorn so he's offered basically the role of playing Mindhorn again for the police and he um if sees it as an opportunity to kickstart his career. Um, Julian Barrett is very good as Mindhorn. There are enough jokes uh, in it that hit to make it worth seeing, but it does overplay the jokes a bit. The failed actor who thinks he's hot shit, but he's actually cold diarrhea thing is very, very, very played and this plays those played notes repeatedly, but there's enough in there. Um, Julian Barrett is stuck in a paper mache suit for the vast majority of the third act, and it's very funny. <laughs> this was really directed by Steve Coogan, Ridley Scott. I don't know, directed, produced. Yeah, Ridley Scott executive produces it. Steve Coogan's in it. And he produces it. Um, Kenneth Branagh's in it. Well, he he he. I remember when um, Mighty Boosh became a big thing, um, and I remember reading a thing about it where um, Julian Barrett and uh, Noel Fielding basically said that when they made Mighty Boosh, um, it was partially funded by Steve Coogan. Yeah, Bell Productions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they yeah. produced it and. Um, it ended up going on to um, they wanted it to be on Channel 4 mm. um, and Steve Coogan instead sold it to uh, the BBC um, Julian Barrett maintained at the point that said I think you just did it just to piss us off because we really wanted it to be on Channel 4 so we actually accepted less money off BBC just to be a dick and somebody asked Steve Coogan about it in an interview and he went oh yeah obviously so whether or not he did or not you don't know but it just it wouldn't surprise me Steve Coogan and he's kind of he's always been in uh, Julian Barrett's kind of camp and has always kind of like believed in him and thought do you know what this guy's got it in him yeah no absolutely and I mean um, Steve Coogan's in a couple of scenes yeah it's weird the Scott Free logo appears at the start and it's like what what <laughs> the fuck because the thing is right there is an, an a logo for Isle of Man film that literally looks like someone took a JPEG and stretched it in Microsoft Paint to fit a <laughs> scope frame and then just exported it into Final Cut Pro. And I, I, it's almost like it's actually a joke. It looks that bad. It is the worst looking production logo I've ever seen. With Alabama films. I, that, that just literally, the quality, it's like an image. It's not like a moving thing. It's just an image. It is the worst quality image I've seen put on a cinema screen, I think probably since I watched 28 Days Later. 
<laughs> like, it looks it like properly fucking... If they want to paint Isle of Man film as an outfit that works out of a fucking caravan, that's how is they it, do is it. it. Is it the one with the different little boxes on it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it, it now. It's, it's not really a good one. low res. Like, <laughs> it, it, like, so I'm ge- genuinely, right? Maybe I'm going mad. It almost seems like they're actually taking the piss out of themselves. It wouldn't surprise you. Oh, my God. And then the Scott Free logo comes up, and it's like, what? And if Kenneth Branagh's in it, and yep. it's like, what? And, but, and, but it's funny. Um, it, it, it's funny enough. Um, I'd watch another one, in all honesty. Um, is it a... Um... Is it like a Tuesday fucking night Netflix totally. watch? It's it's Studio Canal, so it will probably be on Amazon Prime by the end of the Prime. year. And yeah, yeah. You know, and one hundred percent worth it. I'm glad. I'm glad I saw it. You know, I'm glad I supported it. It's a three out of five. It's it's not amazing, but there were plenty of bits that made me laugh, and there's a ballad at the end over the credits that. The, the character Richard Thorncroft in the film wrote called You Can't Handcuff the Wind, which is actually almost worth entry fee, fee by itself. It's wonderful. You Can't Handcuff the Wind. I'll look forward to that. Yeah, um, it's, 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 it's a dec- it is a perfectly decent Tuesday night Amazon Prime watch. Nice. Yeah. And, you know... If it was, I'd feel if this was if it was the main review, I think I'd maybe even not look at it so kindly. As it was a, we weren't even doing a main review, so it's almost like just a bonus film this week. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, hour and forty minutes. Fuck me. Like it's pretty much as long as a normal show, and we've not even done the main bit yet. Good work, us. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. We have a top. T- we have a top five list, a combined top five list. Now, uh, Mark came up with the scoring system. Mark, do you want to run through it? Uh, basically, we give each other each our twenty-five top movies, um, and then from there, um, we assign a point for number twenty-five and twenty-five points um, for number one, uh, which was literally thought up on the fly and on the spot. Uh, and then came fucking unravelling spectacularly. <laughs> we actually submitted our lists, and there was only a few um, crossovers. So we were going to go for a top ten. We were, at one point we were going for a top twenty oh, that was if we could. Uh, we we managed to cobble together a top five. We have indeed. So we'll um, let's go through the the films on our list. So these are all films that came up on our own lists but did not come up on both lists so we're not in the top five yes um so mark why don't you take it away uh, in, in, so, in reverse order obviously not the ones that we're going to actually talk about though not the ones we're actually going to talk about right okay uh so i think i'm right in saying your 25 is one that we are going to yeah, talk, about. talk about yeah, um, 24 uh, is uh, Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. Um, 21 mm-hmm. is uh, Pretty in Pink. Mm-hmm. 20 is Point Break. 
19 is Interstellar. 18 is Hot Tub Time Machine. 17 is Streets of Fire. 16 is Midnight Run. 15 is Big Trouble in Little China. 14 is The Wolf of Wall Street. 13 is Weekend at Bernie's. And 11 is Platoon. Ian, do you want to give us your uh, 25 down to 11? Number 11. Which ones you can actually say? 25, Sorcerer. 24, Robocop. 23, Boogie Nights. 22, Donnie Darko. 21, Drive. 20, Star Trek 2. 18, Close Encounters. 17, Thief. 16, Suspiria. 15, Mulholland Drive. 14, My Neighbor Totoro. 13, Inglorious Bastards. 12, Empire Strikes Back. 11, Fuck You Academy, La La Land. Can I just point out? Oh, no. Just one thing. No, it's not, it's not, it's not we've made a mistake. Okay. Across 50 movies, of which um, we've got 40 different movies. No, um, 45. 45 yeah. different movies. Am I right thinking that we've only got two, three, sorry, Academy Award winners? What? The one best picture. Oh, shit. Okay, hang on. Have a look at yours. How many have you got in yours? I've got two in mine. Best picture. Best picture. Uh, I think we've got two. One, two? Which, which, which are two? One that shall not be named and The Godfather. Well, one, one of the ones that shall not be named didn't win best picture, did it? Did it not? I think so. I'm pretty fucking sure it did. Our joint number one, yeah? I don't think that one best picture, I don't think. Nah, sure nah, 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 nah. It definitely did. Sweet Home Alabama? Defo. Are you sure? Gonna look it up. See, I need to look it up now, because that's going to fucking be oh, bad if I'm in. Oh, shit! Nominee! Yeah, it didn't what win. What the fuck won that year? That one that one been something that good. It definitely wasn't something that good. All right, fair enough. Anyway, um, all right, fine. So, yeah, i got one. I, I've got two. Which are? Platoon and one that comes up in my top ten. That's fucking weird, isn't it? Interesting. It is quite interesting, that. I quite, I quite like that. Right, so I'll, I'll do my top ten, the ones that I'm allowed to say. Uh, number ten, When Harry Met Sally. Uh, number nine, uh, Goodfellas. Uh, number eight, The Burbs. Number seven, Escape from New York. Number six, Taxi Driver. Uh, and then number five, It's a Wonderful Life. Number four, The Godfather Part Two. Number three, Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. And number two, First Blood. Nice. And I have number 10, Blowout. Number nine, Die Hard. Number eight, The Shining. Number six, hang on. I fucked up, I think. Oh, hang on, hang on, no, yeah, no, hang on, I did fuck up, sorry, I missed one earlier on. Apologies, folks, apologies, uh, Blade Runner was, uh, above Suspiria, my apologies. Um. Oh. <laughs> might have given us away that. Yeah, no, I might have, actually, fuck. No, I told Incidentally, you. Uh, yeah. I, w- I won't say it, I have lots of... I'll say when we discuss the film, I've looked at the film that won over the, our 
our combined one that we just thought that won an Academy Award, and you're going to be surprised at what film actually won. Oh, fuck. Okay, we'll get into it. Five, yeah. The Thing. Three, The Godfather. Even though I went for The Godfather, you went for The Godfather Part 2. Yeah. To be fair, The Godfather may, like... The thing is, you can't say the saga because of Part 3. Yeah. So you can't. That drags it down, drags the whole thing down. Whole and anybody... Down. Anybody who states, who thinks, still thinks in their mind, yeah, but number three isn't that bad. It's just bad in comparison to number one and number two. No, it, it's not very no, good. No, no, it's not. It's not. Go back and watch film. it. Yeah. It's not very good at all. Um, yeah, number one and number two are rightly classics, and number three is rightly remembered for fucking the entire fucking thing. Indeed. Um, and my number two is Sunshine. So. Uh, yeah, I did slightly give something away there, but it, at least it's only number five on our list. Yeah. Oh, uh, just to say a uh, quick update. Uh, Ray Le Pen has conceded defeat. No way. Oh, brilliant. She's already done it. Good. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh. oh, and we're just getting in into our top five films. This is nice. Okay. Number five is Blade Runner, which yes. got a combined 13 points. Um, Blade Runner is just a fucking world, isn't it? That's the thing. It's like stepping into a fucking world. It is, yeah. Um, I, I, we watch it quite regularly because it, it is uh, Becky's favourite film of all time. Um, she adores it, so we've watched it quite extensively. It's also the film I've owned the most. I could go for that. In, in terms of uh, the amount I own it, I've owned on... Blade Runner, just off the top of remembering, I have owned a VHS copy, a VHS copy of the director's cut, um, a special edition uh, copy of the director's cut on VHS, which came with a little still of the film, a laser disc oh, copy. Oh, fuck, yeah, that's good. Of Blade Runner. Uh, I, 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 I own one of those. I don't have it in my house, but I do own one. Um, my uncle's got a laser disc player, so I just gave it to him. So you have that. Uh, instantly, that has uh, a director's commentary on it. Um, also, I've owned it on DVD. DVD in that box, that tin box set that they did. Uh, the DVD of the uh, Ultimate Cut as well. Mm. I also own it on Blu-ray um, three times. The Steelbook, the uh, box set that had the little car in it. Uh, and the ultimate cut as well. So, so he, uh, so social networking was it? It was social network, was it? Yeah, I'm sure it was social network. Okay. Um, I'm not sure it was heat. It was heat. Yeah, it was heat. Okay, well that just gave away number three. Never mind. Um, so yeah, number four was heat. So um, it's a fucking masterpiece. It, uh, heat. Yeah, I. It is. It genuinely baffles me. Right. That he isn't held in weirdly in higher regard it's kind of like there was another film in 1995 seven that kind of happened and was frankly verging on being a masterpiece but neither of them got any awards buzz or any noms for anything i don't think and yet they're the best movies probably that were released that year yeah i mean the thing with Michael Mann, I suppose, is the fact that people kind of slightly seem to take him for granted. And he's 
he's not made a film that's been universally liked in a long time. Like, what, Public Enemies, Black Hat, um, oh, fuck, it was just on the tip of my tongue there as well, and I've lost it. Miami Vice. Miami Vice, that was it, of course it was. These are films which are liked by... The, the people who like them really like them, but there's also a lot of people who don't like them. What would you say, then, that his most universally liked movie is The Last of the Mohicans? I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. Yet, film enthusiasts will say, um, would say, not that that's his worst film at all, but that would probably the film they'd go to least. Yeah, I mean, he is a, a joy, you know, oh, I hate the as is Thief, Manhunter, um, The Insider. I don't think ever gets enough recognition. No, um, that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Thief came up on my list as well. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a great. That was his debut film as yeah, well. Wasn't I mean, it? that's fucking man- madness. And the Tangerine Dream score to that is so fucking good. Um, I, think Thief. I think it's on Netflix. I, I think it is. Yeah, the the Arrow Blue is very nice as well. I think it's the same master is the yeah. criterion and it's it's really fucking pretty um but yeah he it's you know yes it's al pacino and robert de niro like together in 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 the coffee shop but it's also really really great action and, like just a brilliant cast all around yeah can i can i throw in a controversial opinion yeah. on on heat shoot i think the best performance in it is Val Kilmer. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I think I think Val Kilmer. He doesn't steal the movie because he's not that much, he's not that much better. But I do think that that Val Kilmer's performance in that film is it, it, it is very I, underrated because he, he gets caught up in the wave of of Pacino and, and De Niro and that was all that that him and to an extent I think uh, Tom Sizemore the same kind of goes under the radar I mean Tom Sizemore is a, is a tragic fucking um, you know lost in the fact that he has issues that have stopped him from reaching the heights that he could have uh, reached as an actor um, I think I, I once a while ago uh, actually wrote a thing for uh, the now uh, still out there but now you know no longer updated to watch pile about how um, everybody that was pretty much everyone that was in heat hasn't really hit that high again mm. in the twenty odd years since it was released. Well, Dennis Haysbert was the president in twenty four, but you know. <laughs> uh, and I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like Al Pacino, it's the start of the start of overacty Pacino. Even though yes. it's you know it's not in there a lot, but it's like. She's got a great ass, you know. It, yeah. You know, so you got that. And De Niro, it was the mid '90s. De Niro, un like kind of underplaying things quite a lot. It, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't really get any like classic De Niro stuff to do. I mean, the conversation is very, very good. Um, but it, yeah, I and I mean, it's just man's as in love with LA as he is with the actors in this film as well um absolutely yeah and, and, and as i similar you know it is one of almost it's fucking horribly fucking cinephile thing to say but it, it almost does act as a character in the actual movie yeah no straight up i agree i mean to be fair it's the same with collateral as well except that's la at night um and it's the the one time that i think his digital cinematography is really um 
it, like, like kind of actually aided his 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 work, even though it was kind of early um, digital as well. But the the kind of like the almost kind of like haziness of the, of it. Uh, I'm thinking particularly of the um, the scene where they're just like driving at night, and it's the audio slave track is on, um, and there's a, yeah. there's a shot of like a fox um, in in the night, and it's this weird, slightly surreal, like perfect two in the morning hazy kind of sequence, and it works really well. Um, but yeah, I mean he's fucking brilliant. Um, Ball down iTunes, I'm tempted to pick up the Blu-ray. I must say, it's got all the features on the. Uh... On the iTunes copy, or are you just wanted for the fact that it looks nice. It, it, it does it, look fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was a 4K master that they they took it from, and I have found lately with iTunes stuff that I'm getting itchy feet for 4K because, it, like iTunes HD, it's just it doesn't look it doesn't look as good. It doesn't look as good, and it really bothers no. me. It, 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 like, I, a fantastic piece of where, we find, where, where to find them. I rented that off iTunes, and it was just like, this doesn't look that great. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's probably streaming at 720p or something, and it just, it's really making me. And, like, La La Land is out on 4K Blu ray next Monday. How can I get the iTunes version of that? No, you, you, you're going to have to get the 4K for that. It's kind of criminal, isn't it? Yeah, I, no, it's yeah. Totally, and, yeah. But anyway, number three. Uh, my favourite film of the decade so far, um, it's The Social Network. Yeah. Go on, why? I think it's a genuinely important film about communication in the modern world and how people still need to relate to each other on a personal person to person level no matter how much technology you can build uh, between and I say that as someone who loves their tech is also a very very interesting story of rivalry and jealousy Um, I think that Eisenberg's portrayal of Mark Zuckerberg is fucking masterful. Um, he he's amazing in this in this film. Uh, yeah, he is. The score is incredible. Yeah. The digital cinematography is great um, and fit and fits the film well. And um, I am still annoyed that the King's Speech stole its thunder in such a big way in 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 the awards season that season. The Social Network is a masterpiece, yeah. and that is from a it, man who has made a few. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the insane thing is, I, I was just thinking, what actually fucking won it over the Social Network? Because it's not like it, it's not a. It, it, the fact is, it's it it was it was bogged down by the idea that it was that Facebook movie. You know, I remember people after it uh, before it came out um, after um, Zodiac had performed, not fantastically to be honest, um, at, at the box office, but was again a fucking masterpiece. Um, and it was like. Hang on a minute. So Finch is going to go from doing Zodiac to doing that fucking Facebook movie, and even I was like that. 
I was, you know, uninterested. This was a, a movie with a relatively unknown cast and Justin Timberlake um, about Facebook. You know, and, and amongst the time when, when, you know, early adopters to Facebook had started to get a little bit of that Facebook fatigue because, you know, all your aunties were on it. So um, there was that. And it kind of felt like, hang on a minute, David, you, you, you should be doing more with your time. And then the trailer came out, and it was like, "Holy fuck, that looks good!" Yeah, that's a fucking that's a good trailer. And immediately you sat up and sort of started taking notice. Um, and then you started to think, "Hang on a minute, they're good actors, though." It's Sorkin. Sorkin's a great writer. You know, the idea that he he wanted to he wanted to basically he framed it like. Like Rashomon, <laughs> you know that was his that was his um, his idea behind it was that he'd, he'd go from there and um, you know that that it's all based on what he said and what she said and the thing about the social network is it doesn't matter if it isn't exactly the reality of what happened because it's based on a true story it's not a documentary so you can get away with it you know it. It's a really, like you say, it's an important film, and it plays up this idea that this is that this is dangerous amounts of money and dangerous amounts of power in the hands of people who've almost got it by accident. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, no, absolutely, and I just the fact that Tom Hooper won Best Director at the Oscars over Fincher. For this, yeah, and, and not only that, the one the one thing we have from that uh, to take from that, the one good thing that came out of that was the fucking face any time he spoke that Quentin Tarantino gave him during that roundtable. Oh, the Hollywood Reporter roundtable. Oh, yeah, it's glorious. Where you could tell he just wanted to go. You do it, a Fucking TV movie. Get out of this room. He basically shot down everything that man's glorious. <laughs> yeah, the social network. Uh, yes, it, it's an absolute. I only watched it last week actually as well. Uh, again last week, uh, and it, it is, it is magnificent. I like that fucking film, man. I need it like that 4K. I just I need in my life. Weirdly, you know, I've seen I own all the to, to, to cement how much these is this is a proper top five. I own all of these films on Blu-ray. Um, I have at one point or another owned all of these films on Blu-ray, <laughs> which, which is which is about as good as it gets for you. Yeah, quite. Um, okay, our number two is Alien. Yeah, which was. Um, it was number one on my list, but number twenty something on your list. Twenty five on mine. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, Alien. It's perfect organism. What can I say? Um, yeah. That you know, and yes, we've got two Ridley Scott films in our top five. Um, oh fucking hell, we do. Yeah. yeah which... And I would say neither of us would count ourselves as you know we both like Ridley Scott movies, but I think we'd both sort of say we're not. Absolute fucking. He wouldn't. He wouldn't get in my top five directors. Is what I said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's difficult. I'd have to think about that. Um, 
but Alien is a perfect film. There's not, and that's the thing. I mean, when we when we were in our, uh, doing our sunshine commentary a, a little while back, I was talking there about how sunshine admittedly does have a dip for a few minutes. Alien doesn't. Um, it is efficient, but still gives you more like more than enough character and story stuff to be getting uh, getting along with. Um, the world building is great. The whole sp- the truckers in space kind of thing is just done perfectly, and the just the way that when they go down to the planet, it, you know, it's part part some of them want to explore it, like, genuinely want to explore, like, John Hurt's like, I'm fucking going down there, and some of them are following orders, like, Veronica Cartwright, she's just kind of doing what she's told, and then Yafet Koto and Harry Dean Stanton, it's about the money, it's like, you don't do this, you forfeit your bonus, you know, it's, mm. like, I, I, and how that's all very human, and that, that dynamic you, you feel is just like, yeah, absolutely fair enough, you can, you can see those characters being, on that ship and like like the fact that Ripley is the one who's seen as a prick you know she's yeah. the one who wants to keep them in quarantine and then Ash lets them in you know it's um, I, I love that and then by the end it's like well if they listen to Ripley they'd all be alright now well they wouldn't all be alright John Hurt would be fucked um, <laughs> but it was kind of couldn't really get out of it there but um, yeah I mean like the I, the production design is amazing. The, the 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 models are great. The fact, I mean, just the fact that like inside the alien, the stuff moving around is basically like um, hands with plastic gloves on. You know, it's brilliant. Um, that's the thing is, these things look amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's it. You know, and like the map the map paintings are great as well. You know, and mm-hmm. it's it just and then towards the end, I mean, the almost wordless final twenty twenty five minutes, apart from like mother talking and then Ripley maybe with a bit of dialogue to Jonesy, but that's kind of about it. It's, I, I want to watch it again now. Just talking about it. I want to watch alien now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I, I don't have that much to add because you've basically said it all. Sorry, it is, yeah. it, it's, the way that it could be both seamlessly a sci-fi movie and a horror movie at exactly the same time, mm. and not a sci-fi horror. It's both movies. It's both a horror movie and a sci-fi movie. And it's got tremendous ambition and scope um, in itself um, for such an early movie of of Ridley Scott. You know, I mean, yes, you know, he directed two hundred odd adverts um, before that, but so did the of fucking talk. So it doesn't mean, you know, that it was always going to happen. He had directed a few films before, but I think was this his fourth or fifth film? I think. Um, I mean, well, the Duelists came before, and the the Duelists yeah. is great. Um, the Duelists is very good, right, yeah. but it's um, that, that film's funny. Um, but the, I don't know. The jump between this and that is is pretty spectacular. Actually, yeah, it was his, his second movie, his second film, yeah. And Blade Runner was his third. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? How? <laughs> and they're sandwiched between the Duelist and Legend. God's sake! How? Hmm. It's weird, isn't it? It's really, really weird. Actually, his career is a strange fucking. Strange little mixed bag his career. Alien and then Blade Runner. It's just just quit. 
I mean, I'm glad yeah. he didn't, but you're done, bud. Don't worry about it. You're in the all-timers. It's all good. Yeah. Fuck me. It's, oh, my God, Alien. Um, Right. Number one, then? Yeah. You say it. Go on. Apocalypse Now. Oh, lovely. Uh, weird that our number one and number two in our combined list is our number one, our, our number ones. So I think we can call them a joint number one, can't we? Um, it, it's, I mean, it was always probably going to happen in, in terms of that's how he created it, and it makes sense that that's how it happens. But yeah, um, Apocalypse Now, um, it's often the, the phrase, um, you know, a movie like this will never can never be made again is thrown around um, quite quite often, um, and it's often not fucking true. Uh, for Apocalypse Now, it, it is a movie could never be made like this again. Um, you've got big, huge stars. You've got Coppola um, blowing through money like an insane man, and some of it is own money. Um, y- you know the, the fucking what is the, the what is the quote? Uh, there's a quote that goes with it that Coppola says about, what's that, about uh, Apocalypse Now. Uh, we were in the jungle. There were too many of us. We had access to too much money, too much equipment, and little by little, we went insane. Um, which is what happened. Um, it's it's an absolute masterpiece of madness. Um, one of my weirdly, one of, it's also one of my favourite sets of all time uh, when they first come up along uh, Kurtz's hideout, essentially. Oh, with all the heads. They're all like waiting for them out, out, like, outside. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of my favourite sequences actually in the film, though, is um, when uh, Willard gets off the, um, the boat and goes and says, I'll meet you as we're coming round. And he's running. He's going through the, that little mini battle that's going on, and he's trying to ask who's in charge. Yeah. And oh, yeah. The, he keeps getting give random people's name, including somebody who actually says it's I, you. I, 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 I thought you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were. And it's just, it's, it, it manages to be a Vietnam war movie that has nothing to do with Vietnam. It's not. It, it, I would. I, I always in my brain always go. I don't even think Apocalypse Now counts as been a war movie. It, it's it's a a movie about one guy going to find another guy and everybody going insane around him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's strange. My number one, my number two, uh, are two Vietnam movies that have nothing to do with Vietnam. That's true. Yeah. In fact, actually, look at it now. In my top eleven, there's three Vietnam movies. Actually, my top 11 films contains four movies uh, where Vietnam is a key component, and only one of them is actually set properly in the Vietnam War. And that's Platoon. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just an absolute... It, it's it's magnificent. Uh, I've seen it on the big screen three times. I've seen each version on the big screen. Mm. The director's cut, the redux, and the standard theatrical cut. Nice. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I probably don't have much to add myself, actually. It's just, it's, um, as a pure cinema experience, it's, um, just a hell of a thing. I mean, I, 
remember they they uh, a few months back they were trying to kickstart an apocalypse now video game and they didn't meet his target even though Francis Ford mm. Coppola was even on board and it's a bit like well why why do you need that like it just you don't why would you want to spend hours living in that world like like 20 30 hours playing that game when you've just got this like two and a half three hours depending on the cut you watch like just pure distilled vision uh, I mean it, that that is what it is it, it's just it is it feels like Coppola's vision 100% on screen yeah and, you know it, it no one took it away from him he did he did what he wanted to do and he came out with this and I cannot imagine how it must have been like what watching it at the premiere or something like after all the years of mystery around it and obviously he didn't have the internet at the time and then getting hit with, with this in the face yeah. I, I, Jesus, uh, and then you, you, you've got Robert Duval and Dennis Hopper delivering, you know, iconic performances in supporting roles. Yeah, and, and it, it was a technological breakthrough as well, wasn't it? It wasn't it um, a very, very big um, moment in sound in cinema. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah, um, they, 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 they developed a new sound system for it. Yeah, um, at which I mean, like you, you watch it on DVD or Blu-ray uh, on a, in a surround sound environment, you get that it feels precision engineered for that kind of thing. It's uh, no, I mean, it's uh, it, it's spectacular, and again, that needs a 4K. Yeah. Um, yeah, Apocalypse Now. Um, I'm happy with that. I am very happy with that. Yeah. You know, I'd be happier with Alien, but that was my number one. <laughs> like you said, it could be joint number one. It's fine. It's fine. And to be fair, The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2 are probably really number one. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I'm joshing. Um, I need to watch Apocalypse Now again. Um, we have lists. We do have lists. We have lists coming out of our fucking ears. Um, right. Um, thank you very much to Steve Dixon for the uh, for for the request there. Give us some money, um, right? Rick Kid, Rick J Kid, changes day to day, but here's my top twenty. Um, I'm gonna I, apologies if I sound like I'm rushing through these, but it's because I kind of am because we're running very long tonight. Um, we are indeed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> twenty train spotting, nineteen escape from New York, eighteen the Godfather, seventeen Miller's Crossing. 16, Rush. That's an interesting choice. 15, Once Upon a Time in America. 14, Aliens. Okay, you don't have Alien. I might not even read the rest of your list, Rick. (laughs) 13, Jaws. 12, Blade Runner. 11, Star Wars. 10, LA Confidential. 9, Pulp Fiction. 8, The Empire Strikes Back. 7, Dazed and Confused. 6, The Usual Suspects. Mark, you'll be pleased with this one. 5, High Fidelity. Yeah. Four, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Three, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Two, The Fellowship of the Ring. One, Gross Point Blank. My man likes some John Cusack. Solid list. Um, he's also asked a question, but I'm going to save that for next week. Um, yeah. Uh, at Soul Tired Popcorn, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, tw- it's a top 12. Uh, 12 audition. And even though he says, and oh, hang on. Right, no, I don't know if it's... Yeah, it's a joke. All right. Yeah. I'll just do it. 12, Audition. 11, Some Like It Hot. 10, Sunset Boulevard. 9, Reservoir Dogs. 8, La Grande Illusion. 7, Alien. 6, Halloween. 5, Modern Times. 4, Goodfellas. 3, Jaws. 2, Raiders of Lost Ark. 1, Jaws. And he's put on the end of it as well, and Jaws. 
Uh, solid. Uh, Rob T, Superface Rob, top five here. I'm, I, I, I approve this top five. Five Jurassic Park, four Zodiac, three The Shining, two The Empire Strikes Back, and one The Thing, 82 version. And finally, at TGP73, it's our Star Wars correspondence. Ten, one of our dinosaurs is missing. He has put a hurried top ten in brackets. Nine, Return of the Jedi. Eight, Beauty and the Beast. Seven, Payback. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Six, Star nice. Wars. Five, Jaws. Four, Phantasm. Three, Deep Red. Two, The Big Lebowski. One, The Empire Strikes Back. All fucking power to you, Steve. Oh, power. Yeah, we actually have one more as well, actually. Oh, shit, do we? Go on. I, I, Steve Dixon, the great SD. Oh, of course. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, go on. Um, number five, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Good choice. Number four, El Postino. Okay. Um, number three, Blade Runner. Yeah. Number two, Cinema Paradiso. And number one, Gregory's Girl. Oh, that's right. You wanted to make it clear it wasn't Gregory's Girl 2. Um, yes. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um... That was fun. Yes, that was work, fun. But it was fun. Um, so, next week, we are going to be joined by um, noted Twitter film critic slash contrarian, even though he's <laughs> slightly toned that down these days. I've got a feeling if you put Andrew and Brad Porter in a, in a, in a room together, even though I've seen we have. them in a room together... We have, yeah. yeah. Some sort of weird black hole would uh, would create, but no, actually we have, and that didn't happen. Andrew, it didn't happen, no. No, um, Andrew Jones is going to be joining us to uh, discuss Alien Covenant, which I'm, I'm quite looking forward to, actually, I must say. Um, and uh, we'll we'll probably have a normal show, probably be a normal length show as well. Um, yeah. But dudeandthemonkey at gmail dot com at Ian Loring at dudefoz at dudeandthemonkey. Steve, as I say again, give us some money. Um, you, know, you owe us now. <laughs> And uh, we will see you guys next week. I think that's it, Mark, unless you've got anything else. No, that's it. Thank you very much, guys. Nice one. Good stuff. Thank you very much, folks. Bye-bye. Bye.